Hello, everyone. Hopefully, you're having and or had a wonderful day today. I am stoked for today's guest interview. It's going to be a great episode. Before we get started, if you're new here, my name is Drew Joyner. I host a weekly podcast called Beyond the Garment with me, your boy, your host, your John's enthusiast, Drew Joyner. And today's guest is going to be Kara Lee. She is a textile, crochet, knit artist, and I stumbled across her while scouring the interwebs of Instagram, and her account really stood out to me, followed along, let her know that she's doing a fantastic job, and a few weeks later, I reached out and I said, hey, do you want to be on the podcast? She kind of reminds me of another version of Alexandra Massey, if you remember her from a previous episode, but yeah, she's her own kind of creative and Getting a chance to talk to her was fantastic. Kara is so genuine. She's just a good person. And this was just a good conversation about life, art, fashion, and so much more. So hopefully you enjoy. This is your second time listening. Make sure to give us a five-star review. This is your first time listening. Give us a five-star review because I feel like you're going to like this episode. If you listen from beginning to end, it, it, it has value from beginning to end. I love this conversation, man. So... Let's get into the live intro. Recently, some of my favorite creators in the fashion space are independent crochet artists and self-sewers. And today's guest, Kara Lee, is one of those creators. She does such an amazing job of bringing you into her knit world and is an excellent textile and crochet suzerain. Kara, reporting live from Southern California, how are you doing today? Hello, thank you for having me. I'm doing good, how are you? I'm doing well. I decided to wear my crocheted hat. Yes, I noticed that. You noticed that? I was waiting for you to say something about it because like, yeah. I wanted to wear this because I'm like, I'm talking to the, the suzerain of crochet. <laughs> Love to see it. Love Which is it. a fancy word to mean absolutely nothing. So, um, But Kara, I'm, I'm glad that you're on the show this week. Um, like I was kind of telling you before we started, uh, I've been more and more into different textile artists is what I'll call you. And... When I was just scrolling Instagram on my explore page, I saw, I think it probably was like a knit top that you had made or of some sort. I know you're wearing one right now as well. Um, and I was like, wow, like the, first of all, like the actual garment is beautiful. Like the production and the way in which you create your videos is really, really cool. And um, followed you, reached out, and now we're here. And I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, starting off, let's get into... Question numero uno. I don't know anything about you. The audience probably, may, I mean, it could be your mom or your dad on the podcast listening right now, but most people don't know every, anything about you. Where are you from and, and tell us how it was like for you growing up. Yeah. So I was actually born in Korea. I was born in Seoul, Korea, wow. but I moved to the States when I was like five. I moved to Houston and I grew up there for like a couple years, moved back to Korea for a little bit. And then I settled down here. I grew up most of my life in L.A. Wow. Um, when I was about 11, I moved around here. So, yeah, I would say this is like my hometown-ish. But mm. I don't really identify like one place as like where I'm from necessarily. Um, yeah, so pretty adventurous childhood, I would say, all that moving around. But I loved it. I love traveling. And it's just me and my parents. So, it's not just the three of us just traveling everywhere and we have a pretty close bond. So it's been really nice. That's awesome. So you were an only child then? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes. So you get, let me get this, you're born in Korea, moved to mm -hmm. Houston, and then at some point made your way to L.A. Um, but I can only imagine you probably spent still a decent amount of time in Korea as well or kind of talk mm, me through. Not, not as much. So mostly yeah. here in the States. Because um, yeah. I was going to ask you if you speak Korean at all, which is like... I do. Oh, you do? I'm fluent, wow. yeah. It was my first language. So okay. I was about five, so I still learned like a good chunk. But I wouldn't say... I definitely have to stumble a couple words through, but I understand everything. I can say 
everything I need to, you know? No, yeah, I totally get you. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and um, the woman who hosts the podcast, she is Chinese, and she was talking about, like, ha like remembering and, and being able to speak language and, like, oh, wait, how do I actually say this? And I can only imagine, like, you're probably better than her, but when you're young and you learn a language, like, it stays with you, but you sometimes, if you don't use it often, like, you sometimes yeah. stumble through it for sure. Um, yeah. And so... Can you tell me in a bit more detail talking about like what about your childhood do you remember the most? Like you, you were about five years old when you left Korea. Like, do you remember being there? Do you remember like the, what it was like for you um, or versus being in the U.S.? Is there like a stark difference or like maybe regionally in the U.S.? Is there a big difference? What would you say? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I would say I think because the move was when I was so young, I remember a lot of my childhood surrounding like age five, I would say. Mm -hmm. Like I remember like um, the daycares I used to go to when I was like three, like which is so weird, but I remember all of that. Of course. Um, and I didn't understand the concept of moving across the world. Mm -hmm. Like I, I didn't know what America was. I didn't know that there was another country. Like I didn't know what <laughs> a country was, you know? Yes. So when I just landed in Texas, you know, um, all of a sudden I was like, am I in a video game? Like that's the first <laughs> thing I thought. I remember like, what is happening right now? Everything looks so different. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was like a big culture shock and it was the South. So mm. no, no Asians around really. Mm. Um, I went to a predominantly white school on top of that. So it was a lot of just like self-navigating, mm -hmm. I think, having to be independent. Uh, both my parents worked too. So mm. yeah, there was a lot happening. And but, because you're an only child, you're even more independent in that respect as well, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have any brothers or sisters. You have to kind of figure out how to make friends on your own and um, being in an environment where you are, like there's this term called the other, where you're not, you know, the majority of the people there there's a whole subset of like different experiences mentally that you go through yeah. and just trying to figure out like you said navigate through all that it's not easy yeah i don't mean to cut you off you're gonna say something i'm sorry um let me let me remember what i was gonna say oh <laughs> let's just move on to the next question uh she wasn't gonna say anything anybody um <laughs> That's really cool. That's a, such a interesting background. Anyone who kind of immigrated um, and is here in the U.S. now and, and has gone through that, it's such a, I mean, this country is full of so many stories like yours where people come from other places or, you know, just migrate within different regions. And um, yeah, I was actually just in, in, just in Houston and um, I guess I'm digressing. Let's just get to the next question. Um, the next question, which is... What would you say the best part about growing up was for you? Maybe like the best and the worst part. I know moving isn't easy, but like what was best and worst? I think, well, I think what the worst one was growing up alone. I think when I was a kid, it really felt lonely for me. And I would say a lot like in middle school that I knew really well how to be alone, not that I wanted to be. You know, I would say that a lot, but I, I love it now. Like, I love being alone now. I think as we grow older, we get more, you know, away from other people, very niche in our, mm -hmm. you know, personalities and stuff too. Yes. So I'm really thankful for everything that I thought was my worst traits, I guess. Um, best part was that I was always supported in anything I wanted. So one thing about my parents were, or we are the only, like, family members in our entire like line to live in America. And I'm like the first kid to, you know, even grow up with the culture. So true first gens, but I never felt the pressures of that. Mm. My parents never pushed me to be anything specific. They always leaned into what I had to say, what I wanted to do. So yeah, I loved being an only child for that reason though. So always pros and cons, but. Of course. Yeah. And that's beautiful, right? To be able to, go after the things that you feel in your heart are like the things that you want to do. And it could change. Obviously, it probably changed from middle school to high school to college and everything like that. But having that support system is so important. Um, to speak candidly, Kara, I also grew up as an only child. Um, so we have that in common. And sometimes uh, I have a girlfriend. My partner sometimes gives me some flack and will call me weird because I'm an only child. But only children have 
a lot of, you know, there's a lot of benefits to being an only child from the standpoint of you get all the attention from your parents. So like your parents obviously are putting everything they have into you versus spreading it across different kids, which can be challenging. Like, and, and when you're a younger sibling, I've heard several times from different guests, from different people, like you're looking up to your older siblings and you're comparing yourself. But for an only child, being that trailblazer in your own respect and like you said, being the first generation immigrant, like that is, man, it feels probably really good to like say like, oh, I'm making a path for myself that is only me. And like there's no person who's going to have to follow after me, even maybe my kids. But like at the same respect, like you just get to be and, and live your life with its own kind of perspective and anyone listening like even if you have children or if you have siblings excuse me you can still do that of course Mm -hmm. um and strive for different things but i think one of the things i feel blessed about being an only child about is being okay with being lonely too like you said um so there's pros and cons to everything and i i think it's you know the the more we kind of learn about you Kara, i think the more we'll see all the pros and cons to all the different aspects of your life um and starting with the different things that you got into artistically, what were the moments that you started to hone in on, you know, maybe more artistic stuff or I know obviously you dance as well. When did you kind of get into those things? Yeah. Um, I was always kind of drawn to the arts. I was actually doing a reflection because, you know, it's the end of the year. Um, 2022 I was doing a whole reflection of my entire life really. And yeah, I actually, I've always been doing something artistic on the side. So I think it started with piano. I started that like as soon as I moved to Houston. So when I was five and that continued until like 16. So that was my first constant. And then I did piano. I did violin. I danced a little bit of ballet when I was a kid, got back into it in high school, um, really started loving it in high school pursued that for a while until knitting came along so I've always had these like long periods of just one thing at a time but it's always been something in the arts definitely what is it about dance that you gravitated towards because we're gonna the rest of the pod is gonna be all about your knitting and I'm I think it's a big aspect of your life still I mean it seems like it when you look on your personal Instagram like majority of the stuff you're posting is like you dancing so like what was like initial spark for you Oh, um, uh, when I was super young, I would have these like, I would have these like solo talent shows at my grandparents' house. So I was, um, I was the youngest cousin as well. Um, and I was like the only girl, only other girl. Um, the other girl cousin is like 15 years older than me. So Mm -hmm. I was like the baby and I loved, I had so much energy when I was a kid and I was just (laughs) dancing around all the time. And I think I was always trying to find ways to do that. Mm -hmm. And in high school, uh, we had to do like an athletic class and I don't know how to do any sports. Like I have never done basketball or (laughs) any of that team sport thing. I just know that I like to dance. Mm -hmm. So I joined cheerleading for two years actually. And that's when I was like, oh yeah, I can't, do you know the stunting thing i i have to dance so then that's when i applied for or auditioned for the dance team the hip-hop team on my high school and then realized that that was a whole world like Mm. the hip-hop community is like its own thing Thing. that i didn't exist yeah yeah and i think um dance gave me an outlet to like forget because i think a lot i think i like internalize a lot of things um not as communicative outside, but I think a lot by myself. Mm-hmm. So dance was like shut, shutting all my thoughts out, just dancing around for an hour. And just you know? feeling the movement, feeling the yeah. thoughts through a different kind of medium. And that's so mm-hmm. cool. Like I have the similar feeling when it comes to basketball that you just brought up um, <laughs> in the sense that it's so fulfilling to be able to do something and express yourself, but not say anything. And that's the way I feel about clothing, movement, dance, art, like you're you're sending a message without saying anything. And sometimes it's hard, it's just hard to talk about things. Like I feel like you probably think I'm a confident, like I can talk well kind of person. But even for me, it's like difficult to express with words certain things and like being able to do that through something else. 
that is really really cool and then having other people that are on the same exact page as you yes that's like such a special feeling you don't yes have to know everything about their life what they're going through yes like you just have those 30 minutes to an hour where you're just like banging out with everybody you know yes beautiful it's a whole communicative like not communicate but like community thing too like Yeah. i've i've you know i've had people who are part of dance classes and they love it like they love like being able to go in every monday or thursday or whatever day it is meet with the people that they dance with and like just let it all out and it's a good workout too Yes, <laughs> yes. what's the secret though like what's the secret to being a good dancer i i i i'm okay i'm not bad but like i'm not great <laughs> I mean, I think it's just having fun. I think when people, especially with TikTok and stuff, people are taking dance so much more seriously now. Um, it's becoming more like, oh, I have to look good, which kind of takes away the fun in it. And I think once you start having fun with dance, it's like you start experimenting more and finding out what you like, what moves feel natural to you. Yeah, And then you just enjoy it more and more. So definitely. no secret. You just have to have fun. And Just remember, have fun. it's not that serious. Let it let it flow, <laughs> okay, everybody. exactly. All right, fellas. If you if you try to take a girl to your dance or you're at the club, just let it flow. Don't don't force it. Don't force it. That's that's what it needs to be. <laughs> dancing is. I, I we don't have to talk about dancing anymore. Let's let's actually get to. the meat and potatoes of everything. Um, the initial reason why, like I said, I wanted to have you on is because I think that what you're able to do with knitting and crocheting is really fun and really special. And um, let's kind of unpack that journey a little bit. When did you start crocheting and kind of using textiles and creating things with your hands like you do? It was actually, I stumbled across it. So it was the winter break right before all the COVID stuff hit. So like three months before, I didn't know it was coming, but um, it was winter break. We had a really long break and I hadn't been away from school that long. So I just walked into Joanne's one day with my friend. I was so bored. I just wanted to do something. So Yeah. then I figured knitting's probably easier than sewing because Mm. requires a lot of materials or it feels like it so I took up knitting then made a couple really bad beanies and then once COVID started I started crocheting Mm. I liked the look of it a lot better there's like a subtle difference but um I saw these dolls that were so neat and it looked like machine made but you can't machine make uh crochet stuff actually so Uh, that really like I was like what blown away I want to do that so that's when I started crocheting started making dolls first um and I was also going through a bad breakup at the time so it was like really nice to just hone in all my energy into something else and learn you know Mm -hmm. so yeah that's where it all started <laughs> Knitting. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it would started as like a winter break activity. So I didn't even think that I would be continuing it when I started school again. But Um, I am a very fidgety person and I found that it helped what to think while I was doing it. So I continued to do it. Um, it was less about making the beanie. It was more about just having something to do. So yeah, I didn't even understand like really the concept or like how to build a beanie or anything. I was just reading instructions. I wasn't even thinking it was something just for my hands. So um Yeah, I wasn't thinking about how this wasn't a good beanie or anything. It was just, you know, something I was doing. Just something to do. Yeah, I totally get that. And how did it transition from, oh, I'm going to do this for winter break to, you know, kind of building up to where you are now? Where are you at? Like 100,000 on, on Instagram. Yeah. I'm not sure if you have TikTok as well, but I Dude. guarantee you do and probably have thousands there too. So how did it kind of transition to that?
Um, it was a long journey. Um, I started getting really obsessed with it in March of COVID. And then I started my account in September. So there was a whole six months in between where I didn't even think that I would be ever starting a social media with this. Um, so yeah, in those six months, I went from making dolls to clothes. And when I was selling the dolls, I fundraised a couple hundred bucks within like a couple weeks just to my friends uh, selling my dolls and stuff and that's when I was like oh people actually like this stuff it's not just me I'm not just making it to make it it's actually kind of cute to everybody so that's when I was like people are listening to me hearing me seeing me and then um, I went to Instagram for more inspiration and when I went um there was inspo but it was really hard to find um I think people I saw that the marketing wasn't right like everybody had the right idea and these garments were so cute but no one was like showing them the right way um and that's when I was like okay I feel like I know exactly what to do I put myself in the hand or like I saw myself as the number one customer to cater to like if I were the consumer, what do I want to see? What kind of content am I looking for when I'm looking up inspiration or stuff like that? So, yeah, um, I didn't want to put too much pressure on myself because, you know, it's thinking about being a content creator. And this was after TikTok and stuff blew up already. So I didn't want to, like, feed into that. I didn't understand it, you know, but um yeah, I started it as an experiment. That's how I like let myself take a little pressure off it. And yeah, it grew pretty fast. Clearly it was working. <laughs> yeah, like all these like it was just lighting, you know, posting time, little hashtags, very simple things, but if you, you know, gather it all together in the right format, it works, you know. Absolutely. It's visually, I think when I look at your art by Kara Lee, and why is there a Z? Because I, I was about to call you Kara Lee's. <laughs> um, that was because there was another Kara Lee in my high school. Mm. And the, the way we separated each other, she went by her middle name and mm. I went by the Z at the end. Okay, okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So I think you're so right. One of the things that I, I notice about the way in which you communicate the things that you're creating is that lighting is excellent meaning that everything just looks bright and crisp and clear. And then when you are the one, like you are the individual who's modeling or showcasing the different items on your body um, and you're smiling and you have a nice style, like you have a nice hair, like you have a nice look to you, obviously, you probably know that. Um, and and that what that does is I feel like it draws a lot of people into the things that you're making as well because for one like you are like you said the number one spokesperson the number one customer and it all flows together so nicely so 100 percent, i think you're doing a fantastic job of communicating that like vibrance and fun that you're and lightness because like you don't want it to be too serious that you're just creating things that you're just having fun with um talk to me a little bit about like the types of things that you're knitting and crocheting and and um why you decide to make the particular garments that you're making for example i love stars um you have like a star crop top you have like the arm sleeve i think you're wearing one right now you have like you know obviously sweaters and different things like that like talk to me about like why those particular things over maybe something else um I, I see it as a journey. So I think in the beginning, I think I'm making very different things than I was in the very beginning. Um, in the beginning, it was a lot of sweaters and I saw them as canvases for artwork. Um, I couldn't, I wasn't really making designs like only for sweaters or anything. It, I kind of wanted to just make art like that could be painted on or embroidered on just my form was just cro uh, crochet, you know? So yeah, I, I saw them as just like art pieces that could be wearable. Um, that's how it started. And then once COVID started going away a little bit, I, I actually wanted to wear these things. And because they were such big statement pieces, yeah. I 
didn't really feel comfortable wearing them. Or if I wore it once, I knew everyone was going to remember it. Mm. So Mm. I wanted to start making more wearable things, um, staples in the closet, if you will. Right. So I think that's where my stuff is at now with crop tops and like the sleeves, things that are layerable um, and easily worn with a lot of different outfits. That's like the main thing. Yeah, totally. I love layerable things. So I think that's another reason why I was drawn to you. And like the, you're wearing, it's the one you're wearing right now. It, it just goes on your arms, right? It just, yes, right, exactly. That is yeah. so cool. Because it's like, um, obviously sometimes people's like arms and whatnot get warm or cold, excuse me. But like, it's just a nice extra touch to layer. And like, um, for me, Kara, like when it comes to fashion, the, one of the things I'm learning more and more about is that uh, people like yourself and other kind of independent artists, like I had never really seen a garment made like that before, really for, for menswear, obviously never, but even for women's wear, I don't see it too often. Right. Um, where did you kind of get that inspiration from for that particular one? Cause I think it's so fun and like, I don't know, it's, it's different. I- um, there's actually a creator that I saw that was like the biggest inspo. I think her Instagram's bow meadow. Um, but yeah, she made a lot of, um, sleeves like this, but they were a lot more fancier. Mm. So they looked like they should go with dresses or something. Mm. And I loved it, but I don't wear extravagant things like that. So I was like, how can I simplify this and make this my own? Make it more casual. Yeah. And that's where it all began. And I I have so many of these now. I wore these all the time. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out a way that I know my girlfriend will love it. I'm also trying to figure out a way to make it translate to menswear as well, because it's so it's so cool, like to be able to have like a top on, for example, and then have a layering element that only covers like a particular element of the outfit. It's it's I don't know. It's very visually appealing. It's very unique. It's very comfortable too. Like I just own a lot of white tank tops or black tank tops and that's all I really need. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially when you're in LA. Yes. I mean, um so how long does it usually take you to from start to finish get a particular piece done? Um I count it by hours cuz I think uh days it could be different based on your motivation and all that. Of course. But um my sweaters usually take about 50-ish hours and peak COVID I I made one in like a week <laughs> I was just on it couldn't put it down yeah um, now I would say it would take like two or three weeks mm. um, but with most of the clothes that I wait, uh, make now with like the crop tops and the sleeves it takes like two days two days yeah, yeah. yeah. makes two sense days. makes sense and what do you usually like are you listening to music most times or are you listening to podcasts or audiobooks or what are you doing? Um, I like podcasts the best. Um, but honestly, if I crochet or knit for a really long time, I find myself not listening to anything. Like I'll have a show on, but then I'm making my own thoughts. So sometimes I'll go hours just in silence, uh, just knitting. But I have so many thoughts. I'm thinking so many things. <laughs> Walk us yeah. through. I mean, it's probably going to be hard for you to answer this, but like walk us through what sort of things are you thinking about? Are they like food things? Like, what am I going to eat later today? Or what did so-and-so say to me yesterday that was like a little bit weird? Or I could have said this differently. Like, what do you, what's in the mind of Kara Lee? Hopefully it's Lee too. Cause yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm making sure. It's, yeah, we're good. <laughs> it's actually a lot of things that overwhelm me. I think um, it's a lot of, business thoughts or um like future thoughts anything that you know like like for example it's the new year now i have to make like a whole thing from january to december next year a rough plan right and that's like a really overwhelming thought um so if i'm sitting down and knitting for like five hours i have the entire five hours to break down every detail of that or if i'm feeling so overwhelmed why i'm feeling that way um it's usually yeah heavier things on my mind that i can just dissect while i'm knitting right and are you like that for the heavier things are you thinking like are you problem solving them or are you just kind of trying to come to grips with them or understand them because i mean it could be a lot of different things but yeah 
I think solution-based works best for me. I, I think of like actions to take to relieve it or feel better about it. Um, always thinking about the other side. If I'm feeling really down about myself, then there's the other side. I learned this and this and this this past month, reflecting a lot. Um, yeah. Solution. And then, and then when you're done, for example, with a particular piece, is it a feeling of like, are you happy or is it like you're satisfied, elation? Oh, yeah. And then like you're moving on to the next kind of project and then next kind of thought process or yeah, well, talk to me. Yeah, the feeling of finishing a piece is just unbeatable. Like I can't get over it myself. <laughs> Usually I film my TikToks right when that happens. I try to finish my pieces in the morning so I can like film it when I'm that happy about yes, it. Yeah, I totally I can't like contain it. Like I love it so much. Um and usually that excitement brings inspiration for the next piece exactly. or while I'm about to finish it, I have an idea like, oh, if this was different, like that'd be so cool. Right. And I get it started immediately. Usually when I finish a piece, literally the next hour I'm working on the next one. Yes, totally, yeah. totally. And I, the reason why I was kind of poking at that care is because I think for the listener, you know, some people are crochet textile people right some people enjoy those kind of things sorry the sun is like beating me right in the face um some people are like that right and then for others they're still searching for that like therapeutic activity so that they can think about the things and problems because we all have things that we're going through right we all have things that we're trying to mentally overcome physically overcome and it's that's just like the dogma of life there's just this constant yeah. challenge that's being placed in our hands and so like for you, if you're listening, like one of the things I've been doing, because I'm not like as much as crochet knitting, but I, I want to be more. That's why I'm interviewing all these people who are like this. Um, but I like one of the things I've been doing recently is I've been like building Legos, like Lego sets. And it's very similar in the sense that where how you started when you started was you just follow the instructions. You put the Legos in the exact order that they tell you to put them in. And I found that when I was, you know, when I make my Legos or Lego um it's the same thing for me. Like I'm thinking about all of the different aspects, whether they be problems, whether they be thinking about the future, whether it be thinking about the present or the past, whatever it may be. And just understanding my life and, and having that kind of personalized therapeutic session for myself. And I encourage anybody, like it could be dancing for you. It could be basketball, like we mentioned before. Um, it could be reading. It could be podcasts. It could be going on a walk running, whatever it may be, take that time for yourself and understand and, and learn about yourself, right? Learn about why you think about the things that you think about and the things that hurt you, the things that you love. Um, and then like you also said, Kara, is that when you're making content, like try to, if you feel that energy, that good mood energy, really like focus on that and try to get the content made in that window space. Because when you're, when you're forcing it, when you're feeling down, it comes off in the video um, and there's a there's a net negative with trying to force yourself to do something that when you know you're not in the headspace so yeah, yeah. also yeah. takes a lot longer if you try to force it out of you it does I find myself doing that sometimes too especially in the last couple of months when I've been just like pushing content yeah um, when I try filming when I don't feel like it it just it just kills the mood and I take one video takes like three times longer than it should. I'm yeah. the same exact way, same exact way. Like recently I was, I would consider that I was on the brink of burnout because as a, as someone who creates content, as someone who takes it relatively seriously, the holiday time from September to December is a very important season. And so for me, I knew I had to kind of just hunker in and pull out and, all the creative energy that I had to, to be as effective as a creator as, as I could be. And um, it was it was difficult. And now, like after taking a week off and just relaxing, I feel so much more creative energy and love for like fashion, conversations and different things again. So it's important to recognize and be self-aware of all these things. Mm -hmm. um, I think we also learn a lot by the actions we take um like we were talking about earlier like you building legos or me just knitting you're just doing something and later you can reflect on what you were doing and thinking about in that moment 
So it's really important to just get up and do sometimes. That's been my biggest motto this whole year. I've been trying to stop thinking and just do first and then think later. Absolutely. So, so true. I love that. I love that. Are there any like rituals you kind of go through when it comes to speaking of getting up and doing any Mm -hmm. rituals that you go through when you set out to start a new project or um, anything that like you do every single time when you set out to start a new project or is it different for every project? Um, I try to outline always before I start. I know that's really technical and that's not as much of a ritual, but I always um, like to get a rough estimate of what I want to do before I start so that I don't have to overthink it later. You know, um, I've tried it a couple of times. I know a couple uh, artists that are freehanders, so they'll just pick it up and just see where it takes them. But I think way too much for that. Um, I've tried it a couple of times, but I just can't get past it when it happens. So I always outline a general like bullet point or like a drawing of some sort. And then I try to go on from there. And I think, um, yeah, with anything I do, I do it when I want to do it, especially because it's such a creative and personal thing. I always try to only knit when I want to knit. If I don't feel like knitting for three days straight, I won't knit for three days straight. I think it's really important to like honor what you feel like doing because it's all in the mind anyways. You can't absolutely it up. Yeah. Well, I have a question. Someone might say, you know, if you have a project that's due in a certain timeline, what do you, how do you, how do you tackle that when you don't feel like it and you know, you have to get something done for that? I think, Again, outlining is really important. I try to, when I first get like a commission that's due by a certain time, the day I get the commission, I try to break it down um, by my schedule. So if I have something next week, then I can't work next week. So this week, you know, rough estimate. Yes. I don't give myself, a, you know, 8 to 10 p.m. I'll knit. Like that's way too strict for me. Yeah. But Um, I'll give myself an estimate so that at least I have some freedom to choose still. Um, but I still get it done within a certain amount of time. Makes a lot of sense. I agree with a hundred percent. There's like rigidity within the fact that there's flexibility, right? Like there's a, you're not going to schedule out to the minute or to the hour, because like you said, that's too rigid, um, and, and can cause stress too. Right. Um, and but at the same time, like you, you know that there's a responsibility that you have if, if you're doing work for someone else. And it's important. It, that's the balance of being a creative, right? Like there's always going to be moments where you're going to have to do something maybe you don't necessarily want to do. Um, and then there's going to be moments when you're, you're going to want to do something and you want to do it. And it's just there's a certain balance that you must take in order to accomplish certain tasks. Um, I think that's what you're saying, right? Yes, 100 percent. Yeah. Um, yeah, that I also think for me, one of the things I wanted to say is I also create an outline for pretty much all of the creative or content stuff that I do. Obviously, you saw when I asked you to be on the pod, I sent you the question outline. And I like that for me. It's there's a comfort in knowing exactly what's coming. There's a comfort in kind of being a bit ritualistic in that in that nature. Um, So everyone has their own way about going about these things yeah it keeps you accountable too i think yeah um when you're in a rut you can turn back to that rough estimate um and at least have something to go off of instead of having to start from a blank slate and that's the thing that's one of the things i love about athletes right because i was an athlete i was a division one athlete and i played all throughout my life and you know, when you're playing basketball, sometimes your jump shot, if you know, care, it doesn't go in every time. Right. And, and you get frustrated. You're like, damn, like I put all these hours in at the gym. I spent all this time in the dance studio. And every time I move my leg this way, it falls out. Every time I shoot my shot, it falls out. But if you have something that brings you back to the basics, that's brings you back to the fundamentals of what you're doing, then you can work your way up to where you want to be again and not feel that stress. Right. And that's, same for art, same for life, for business, for friendships, whatever it may be. Like if you can kind of hone in on that, that the essence of what you're doing then you can work your way up to where you want to be again. So, yeah. How would this is, this is a kind of different sidetrack question, but um, with what you make, 
how would and you talked about this a little bit how would you describe like your personal style because i feel like the stuff you make is like colorful fun but you said yeah. that you have a lot of white tank tops which is fun yeah. too <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah i i think comfort with a splash of color so i think my knits do a really good job of expressing me but i'm also a dancer at heart i i need to be comfortable i need mm. to be in sweats so i own a lot of cargo pants just baggier things and just simple like white tank tops black tank tops but then my knitting personality comes through when i wear the sleeves or the sweater yeah you know? yeah it's almost like obviously when you're a dancer you have the very kind of essential pieces in your collection, like the very comfort ones. And then like the aspect, like creative aspect is like the, the knitting and the crochet stuff. Is that, is that kind of what it is or? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think my style now is just what I do. So yeah. I, I yeah. dance and I knit. So yeah. you can see that in my outfits now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, fashion hasn't been a big part of my life always I think I really started thinking about my body type and what I like and all these things once I started knitting and crocheting um, but before then it was just you know I would just find a brand that I like and always stick to it I didn't really analyze why I liked it and yeah and now as I'm growing older I'm seeing I'm noticing these little things and yeah, I, I would say my style now is just, yeah, a, a dancer in knitwear. <laughs> dancer in knitwear. It's fun. It's fun. Cause like, yeah, I, I, I'm in love with the pieces that you make and um, you do, you do a fantastic job. Like I've been mentioning, um, I, I, one of my favorites has to be, like I said, I love things with stars. So like I could imagine like a star knitted sweater, like that's something that I would maybe commission from you. And then, like you said before, you used to do more like sweater stuff but it was more like canvassy even those things are kind of fun like the like winnie the pooh snoopy yeah. kind of things they're just like fun right like <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's like a it's like a break from you know making something that you have to wear mm. i think a lot of people who start knitting and crocheting start with the intention of you know building their own closet which is amazing yeah. but that's a lot of clothes to knit and crochet and it's a lot of pressure and yeah. sometimes you just want to do something fun and i think that's what my winnie the pooh and the snoopies are for yeah totally do you have any favorites like favorite pieces or favorite kind of things that you knit or crochet or are they all kind of in the same level for you um i would say the tetris jumper that i made beginning of 2021 that mm. was my favorite of all time like mm. i would hang it up on my wall tomorrow if i could <laughs> if it wasn't so heavy but <laughs> uh yeah that one i made with scrap yarn and that was um, another one of those things where I just like outlined a rough idea, but mm. that when it come, came down to the actual design of it, I was doing it as I went with the color choices and stuff. So that was something I was really proud of. Like I hadn't been able to do things like that up until that point. So yeah, that's my favorite of all time. But nowadays I've been really obsessed with the crop tops with the open back. Um, I think that those tees those baby tees are my first designs where i'm like truly catering to my body type and what i like what looks good on me what fits well um so yeah i've been really obsessed with those too i love it are people reaching out to you and letting you know that you know like do you get a lot of feedback from other people as well or like because i know you have an etsy store um but like are you getting feedback from maybe your audience right now and just hearing from them and what they think about what you create as well yeah, um, I think a lot of people just compliment me. It's really supportive over there in the knitting community. Yes. Everyone's like, oh my God, you're so amazing. You know, yeah. you're doing so great. Um, I don't get like specific feedback necessarily, but um, I don't mind it. I think I'm I'm very opinionated as it is. Like I like to make what I like to make. Yeah. I do what I like to do. That's the only I, child. That's the only child. Yeah, that is the only child. But it's it's so great though. I can make decisions really fast. Yes. And um I think yeah, hearing those like positive feedbacks are good because it like, you know, continues or lets me continue make decisions the way I do without 
the self-doubt. Yes. Because of, of course it comes around the corner at some point. Of course. But yeah, when I post the content and people are loving it, I feel a lot more confident, you know. Definitely. So, yeah. Definitely, definitely. What about goals for 2023? You talked about you reflected on your life 2022. Um looking forward for couple days in the, before 2023, what are the goals that you have for this aspect of your life moving into the new year? Mm, I really want to start YouTube. That's like my biggest thing. It was supposed to start this year, but there were so many changes. I couldn't mm. get around to it. Mm. But um, yeah, YouTube has been something I've been always wanting to do. Um, I think so far, my Instagram or like my entire social media experience, I guess, um, is very towing the line between a brand and a create creator, Mm. a content creator. Mm. Um, So people don't necessarily know a lot about me and my personal life, but I'd like to change that. Um, I think if I enter YouTube, I want to be slightly on the more vloggy you know take you along my day type yes instead of you know just tutorials or something um so yeah youtube is a really big goal um that i will tackle (laughs) and another one is i really want to open a pop-up shop somewhere at least for a couple days um by the end of the holiday season next year um with a bunch of other independent artists i think i know so many cool people like just through instagram or pinterest there's just all these like individual artists that are working exactly like me just for themselves they can only make like 10 things at a time but there's such beauty in that and everybody's mind is so unique like for example i just got this one necklace for my birthday last week and it's a watch necklace. So this girl takes vintage watches, takes the faces of them and makes chokers out of them. Wow. Damn. That's so creative. So creative. <laughs> so so yeah, creative. That's like, it's just things that already exist put in other forms. And just seeing different people tackle different aspects of fashion in that sense is just really cool. So I really want to do some like holiday pop-up in new york or something gather like 20 30 different artists how everyone gets their own table and yeah i i really want to highlight independent artists somehow i love that it's music to my ears and like you said there are so like it's almost when i hear you talk about other independent creators and like being able to talk to you and i've been able to talk to a ton it's almost it's so it's more fun than the big brands without a doubt you know what i mean like there's just so much uh heart personalization creativity sincerity that goes into the art that people like you and others are making so like i'm definitely coming up to the pop-up in new york (laughs) like just let me know the dates i'm in there and then i'll definitely be the first 100 subscribers on youtube without a doubt like that's no (laughs) questions at all um i i love youtube it's i think youtube is great for being like able to show your personality because you have more time versus reels or tiktok and podcasts as well and this podcast hopefully people will listen to this and be like oh Mm -hmm. like you know there's more to her there's like her voice is this and this is what she sounds like this is what she's done and this is her life and um yeah that those are great great goals so you can give yourself a pat on the back i can't wait to when they happen (laughs) yeah i mean i think the one thing with youtube though the only reason why i haven't like started it yet is just because it feels like so much pressure um i i started this whole thing as an experiment so that it can be pressure off my shoulders and i don't have to show my personality as much i can just show my clothes and that can speak for itself um and so, yeah, YouTube has been a little daunting to think about, to be honest. Um, I, I don't know if my life is interesting enough or like even that, with the consistency. Is that where the pressure comes from? Is it is it there's a couple of things I'm thinking about because I want to ask you this before because I think it's important because this is like we'll do a little thought experiment with each other. Is the pressure coming from, like you said, is it coming from like the opinions of other people you think like will will i be an accepted creator on the space or is it coming from the fact that like you said the judgment from your own self or 
like maybe view count because obviously you're very successful on one platform and are you scared that it won't translate like i think a, a lot of people have these kind of thoughts so it'd be interesting to hear kind of all of the things in your mind involving the pressure of youtube because a lot of people feel like that. i felt like that when i started my youtube channel as well yeah i i mean it's i think it's a lot just how i'll judge myself if anything um just because the intention of my instagram and tiktok are very different from what i want to pursue on youtube it's just yeah you, like you said the translation i'm not sure if it'll happen as much um i to be honest i don't really care about the opinions of others as much but it's more so about um me being able to have a focus like being very intentional with what i post um and i don't want to be all over the place i want to have a set plan or like this is the things that i do um and yeah it just seems overwhelming i think because i run every everything by myself and youtube is a really big platform and i like you said i already have the followers so i know i'll get a couple you know views that are definitely guaranteed that i need to show out for so um there's a lot of pressure in that too but mainly it's it's about the intention i want to really set the intention before i go into it like the outline we've been speaking about the whole podcast i want to have an outline that i can always fall back on that i can go back to i don't have it yet i don't have a dead set one yet no know? i understand and i think that for anybody like for myself, I just eclipsed over 100,000 on YouTube, which was like a huge accomplishment for me. And one of the things that I could tell anybody or would tell anybody who wants to start a YouTube channel, be on YouTube is like you like you're mentioning, um, be generous with yourself. I think for for you, you already are a very creative person. You have the skill sets to be successful on YouTube. You have you understand lighting, you understand microphones, you understand flow of a video, you understand how to communicate yourself, how to maybe talk. All these things, they are skills that you develop, right? And with YouTube, it's a it's a slightly different place than like you said, TikTok or Reels or Instagram. And just be generous with yourself. Like it's not going to come overnight. And if it does come overnight, then let it come overnight. And don't like, like you said, you, you started these things because you did it on a whim. You wanted to see what would happen. I think you take that same mentality to YouTube. You're an only child. We, you, you, only children just get it. Okay. Like it, it's, it's going to happen for you if you just let it happen. Okay. Sorry. If you have siblings, I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would say just be generous with yourself. Um, and that's to everyone as well. And I'm excited to see what you come up with, what the format is you come up with, how you decide to format it. And it takes work, of course, but um, don't let it be work that you hate. Be Let it be work that you love, right? Exactly. So, um, well, Kara, it has been a great conversation. We still have a ton of questions left, but you had said that you were nervous. And <laughs> look at you. You made it through. I like, feel a lot better now. But... Right? Is it's literally like we've been talking for 50 minutes and then you haven't had a hiccup, haven't had a misstep at all. So that's awesome. Um, the next kind of section we're going to get into care out is learning a bit more about you from a personal standpoint. Um, hopefully you have a little bit more time. I'll, I'll make it relatively quick. Um, but talk to me a little bit about, you know, you're traveling. Cause I saw you were in Paris. You've traveled yeah. before. Uh, What's one of the favorite places or like what are some of the favorite places, cities you've been to? Um, I, I mean, Paris, I loved it so much there. I went this past summer because, um, well, I graduated. So I wanted to take a little grad trip with Have my best to. friend. Yep. Yeah. But I went to on a little Europe trip with my parents when I was in eighth grade, I think. And we hit like eight different countries within a week. Wow. And one of those places were Paris. And I remember like loving it there. So that's why I went back this time. Yeah. And it did not disappoint. I loved it. Um, another place I love, I would say, I don't remember what city, but we stopped by Switzerland for a second. Mm. And it, it really feels like you're in like mario world in there like it's so beautiful and like the mountains are so tall yeah. like you don't you didn't know that the trees could be that green yeah um yeah and that really brought out like 
my love for nature there. Yep. But uh, other than that, I'm not sure. I mean, I I just find appreciation in anything, like anywhere I go, and I'm I get really easily impressed by like the smallest things. Like, That's wow, they bike a lot here. Like, I'm so impressed by stuff like that. You know.、Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, anywhere I go, I love it. I definitely want to take a trip out to Paris. I've never been before. I've been to France once, but it was the south of France. My my girlfriend was studying there, and that's where we went. And it was beautiful. She's actually Swiss, so like you probably、yeah. went to either Zurich or Bern or Geneva or something like that. And yeah, I, I can tell you, <laughs> she she she'll literally she. We could have an entire podcast. We've been going for fifty minutes. We could have an entire fifty minute conversation with. All about Switzerland. Just talking, like she just talk about it for forever, right? Because she thinks it's a beautiful, most、so、wonderful beautiful. place, and it is.、Yeah. It is actually stunningly beautiful.、Um, so I definitely need to make it there as well.、Um, traveling is one of those things where it just—I don't know. For me, I love traveling, so it, like I always like asking people about it. And whenever I see someone who's traveled a bit, like it's it's cool because a lot of people have the same experience. Like it's a cool thing to see these places, right? Like、um, so. Yeah, Paris is. I need to see the Eiffel Tower. I know you got the picture in front of it. I need, I need to get my Carolee Eiffel Tower picture. <laughs> <Yeah> . Paris <laughs> was so nice too because I stayed in a city right outside of Paris or right next to the touristy area at least. So no one really spoke English, and I, I did take four years of French in high school, but、oh, I do not. I do not remember. Speaks a I do not、French. remember it enough. Okay. So okay. it was a little difficult, but it was、um, equally beautiful as well because of that. Because、um, I, you know, you just had to make the hand motions or、It's、and like, it was sa, like something moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I know. When I went to France, it was the same thing. But I, my girlfriend. Bless her heart. I talk about her a lot. <laughs>、um, she's fluent in French, so that helped me out a ton. So,、um, whenever we got baguettes or anything, it was I was like, Lauren, I want this one. I like tell her in English, and then she would tell him in French. <laughs>、uh, I couldn't even bust out my French because I was so worried they're gonna judge my accent. Like it wouldn't even. I was thinking about it. Like if someone spoke Korean to me. And it was so horrible that I couldn't understand it. I would rather have them just talk to me in English. <laughs> I just spoke English. <laughs> One day, Kara, I feel like the phones and like Google Translate—it's like so advanced now. I feel like one day you'll just be able to, like, just think in another like in, in English,、yeah. and it'll just be in whatever language, literally.、Sure. Um, uh, yeah, it's 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 crazy. How do you spend like your your downtime? What do you do when like you're not knitting, not crocheting? Hanging out with friends, watching movies, going to—I don't know—the beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's honestly it alternates between dancing and knitting a lot because there's such different activities. I think it gives me a break from one of the other、um, when I'm doing either.、Um, but other than that, I love hanging out one-on-one with my friends. I think, especially because. Yeah, we've all graduated. All my friends have graduated this past year. Everyone's all over the place. And you went to、so、school like, in Boston, right? I did. I yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah.、Um, yeah, everybody's all over the place now. So it's hard to get a group of people. So I've been hanging out with a lot of one-on-ones. But I've been appreciating it so much,、uh, especially as of late, getting like really deep into like useless topics, but really analyzing it for some reason. Yeah. No, that's、um, fun. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, in your early twenties too. So like, you have there's so many there's so many topics you, you're gonna be able to get into. Like obviously, like graduating university and like becoming an adult, like you start to think about the world in a lot of different ways. So、yeah. I totally can. I um I have the same conversations with my friends. Oh <laughs>、yeah. uh, man, it's um. Your whole experience at Boston too, or in Boston? I feel like that could fill another forty minutes of this podcast,、mm-hmm. um, but we won't get there.、Um, one of the things that I recently did with my family, my friends, is we created a top ten movie list of all time. Now I'm not going to ask you to do that on the spot. That that would be another forty minutes. We'd be here for five hours. <laughs>、um, 
But I don't know if you enjoy movies, watching movies, things like that. But I was curious to hear if you had any movies that you that stood out to you in 2022 that you watched. Um, honestly, I have bad memory for this. Like, I, I everyone you does. Sent Even me I the do. list and or sent me the list of questions, and this was the only question I couldn't answer. <laughs> um, but I will say, I just saw Avatar, the new Avatar, mm. and. Um, I, I haven't been to a movie theater in like eight or nine months. It's been a really long time. And I thought about like who I was eight or nine months ago after I watched the movie. And yeah, I really appreciated like the colors on that. I think nowadays I've been just like focusing on colors and like composition of like what's going on in the corner more than in the center. Mm. Avatar, I mean, it was like a what 350 million dollar movie or something <laughs> but something crazy yeah something crazy but yeah i really appreciated like the details of the coloring and um like the sequences and stuff yeah i love artists because like when you talk to artists about a movie they talk about the colors in the corner like that's yeah. just hilarious <laughs> <laughs> it's, not even, it's not even about the movie not even about the movie bro <laughs> i mean the movie was great too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know no i'm the same way because like for me i've been like doing more and more like looking at and studying like costume design and i know avatar is like a lot of cgi but like there's obviously outf- i don't i haven't seen it yet the second one but there's a lot of outfits in movies and like for me like i'm with my friends and like talking to them about like how clint eastwood is wearing this particular pair of wrangler jeans from like 1922 and like they have this little metal detail on it they're like bruh can we just watch the movie bruh yeah. like i don't even <laughs> yeah. know what you're talking about my friend uh, um, I totally relate there. Yeah, when I when I went to go see that movie with my friends, they were like talking about like the social commentary on the movie, and I was like, "Did you see her outfit?" Though, like <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> exactly, and we're yeah. we're cut from the same cloth in a lot of ways, bro. That's funny. That is funny. What about like go to comfort meal? Because I know you have the Korean aspect to you. Um, like, do you eat a lot of Korean food or do you have a comfort meal? Yes. I, honestly, I just wrote Korean food under that. <laughs> it's just any Korean food, especially home cooked Korean food, mm. especially since I've been back with my parents for the last couple of months. Like they've been cooking a lot of home cooked Korean meals and it, uh, it hits different. Hits you the know? spot. Hits the yeah. spot. <laughs> I feel like good, good Asian food is hard to find in certain cities. And mm. I think boston too was kind of hard to, for me to find like with my taste buds i don't know if it's just difference in the coasts but yeah it hits different it's different it hits different but y'all didn't know i had the vocals like that did you you know i could get up there <laughs> <laughs> oh man speaking of east coast versus west coast which coast is the best coast? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Honestly, if I think of New York, I can't help it but say East Coast. But there is something about the West Coast culture that they just do not understand over there. Um, like, I call it car culture. Mm-hmm. Like, being able to sit in a car for with someone for, like, four hours at a time, run out of things to say being able to sit in that silence too mm. and or like start random conversations out of nowhere it's very it's very special and niche to west coast people i think yeah um but also new york has that like sparkle to it, it has that it, energy yeah yeah so mm. i actually one of my goals of 2023 is to move out there so hopefully we can manifest that into existence. What's but, the reasoning behind that, you think? Um, It's just, it feels like all the creative energy is just so alive there. Anytime I'm in New York, I just take a day where I'm just not, I don't plan anything and I'll just walk and I'll just see where the day takes me and things like that. Well, I can't drive, so I talk about color culture, but I don't have a license, so... <laughs> So, so there, is, <laughs> there is something to that you know um i can actually go around places by myself in the east coast um and just, like have that different freedom but 
at the same time being surrounded by people, which is something we don't have in the West Coast unless you like are going to an event, you know? So yeah, I yeah, I would say oh, both are so beautiful. But if I had to choose, I would choose West Coast just because mm. there's just so much more diverse um experiences i think okay i like that answer i've been to both and um i think right now i'm leaning towards east coast and i think you know you you say west coast but you're about to move to the east coast that's your goal so that's interesting too um both sides are going to be upset no matter what so let's just leave it at that (laughs) um kara it's been a wonderful conversation for real and um hopefully down the road our paths cross cross in one way or another, like I said, if you end up having a pop-up in New York, I go to New York very often. Um, I would love to help and participate in any way. Um, YouTube, the journey, I'll be following along when it starts. Instagram, I'll be following along. Um, maybe I'll follow along on TikTok too. I try to stay off. T- I have a TikTok and I have thousands too. But I think I find that being on TikTok for prolonged periods of time is not the best for me. <laughs> um, so but I try to create content that is better for other people. But anyways, it's been a great conversation. I got one more question for you and then we'll chop it off there. Um, what is something most people misinterpret about you or the or the work you? Um, I would say the biggest thing is how much work it takes behind the scenes um I mean it is just knitting at the end of the day and that's all they see but there's a lot of like detailed curation that goes into it Mm -hmm. um even with like the yarn that I choose or the brands that I lean towards I very like very much study you know where everything came from if it's sustainable all these little things that I don't necessarily advertise Mm -hmm. Um, and another, I mean, big stigma that's, that is going away is that knitting is for old people, you know, it's a grandma activity, but, um, it really isn't. <laughs> I think, I think that stigma is going away anyways, cause so many people do it now, mm-hmm. but yeah, it really is so fulfilling, um, mentally more than anything. Um, yeah. And I think everybody should take up knitting one point in their lives. It's fun. <laughs> Boom. That's the capstone for the episode. Thank you so much, Carolee. It's been great talking with you. Thank you, Drew.